Welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. Hello, guys, it's me again in your ear. I'm hoping one day that this intro, this solo intro by myself, will feel easier. It's still so strange talking to myself, but I'm just imagining you were all here with me. Today's episode is such a goodie, and I know so many of you will be so excited. I've got the lovely Rach and Nikki joining me from Tiny Hearts Education. But before I get into that chat, I've got some Harvey updates and kick updates for you guys, so I'll just... I'll just get straight into it. Um, so Harvey, it's uh, I feel like the last time I chatted to you guys, we had Em on and I spoke to Em about going back to work and um, about where I was at with breastfeeding because it was it was really all-consuming, to be honest. Um, going back to work and worrying about pumping dur- during the day and constantly being concerned about my supply, it was all-consuming and it really just got to the point where I realised I was stressing way too much about it I couldn't focus on my work I'd be in a meeting and if it went over time I'd suddenly start worrying about it because you know my window of opportunity to pump that day might have disappeared or I'd try and pump in the meeting and it was just it was too much and when I spoke to Nikki and Rach this was offline so this wasn't on the podcast but we were just talking in general about their own breastfeeding journeys and like when they stopped and when they went back to work and all that and Nikki said that when she was at back at work for a little bit what she did continue to do was just the morning feed and that her body just got used to that and so she only really had supply in the morning and you know it didn't produce milk throughout the day and um and I started to think like oh I wonder if that's something that I could do because that way I'm still getting that connection with Harvey that I love and I'm so emotionally attached to breastfeeding like I'm so not ready to let it go completely um I think in the back of my mind I still have that you know voice or this pressure I suppose um or this this mother inside of me that's like no breastfeed him until he doesn't want it anymore um But at the same time, (laughs) it's all consuming and I need to work and I need to have my brain back and my supply is dropping anyway. It's way too hard to keep on top of my supply when I'm working the way I am. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. I've I've come right down to one breastfeed a day, which is his morning feed. And, you know, some mornings my supply is all right and then other mornings I can feel not – I'm not that full. So, you know, if if he has a morning like that, then I'll, I'll follow it up with a bottle. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm like, I, I'm still, (laughs) I'm still very, very attached to even just that one feed. And I hope that I can still do it for a little while longer, but I think I've also come to terms with the fact that it still feels just as special, you know, being able to hold him and bottle feed him and, um, it still feels special and I'm still, he's still dependent on one of us. He's still dependent on someone feeding him and, Um, and obviously I have to look after him in all these other ways. So I think all of that kind of that pressure on, you know, people breastfeeding and, and you know, that that's how you're connected. I think it's all a bit, it's all in in our minds for, for, it's a bit silly to be honest. And it's not fair either because not everyone has the, you know, is, is blessed with being able to breastfeed. Um, you know, my heart goes out to everyone who can't, but at the same time, you know, they would have absolutely found that there's so many different ways to connect with your baby. Like it's just, 
Anyway, breastfeeding is not the only way is what I'm trying to get to, but it's still an emotional roller coaster, letting go of it nonetheless. But I am so happy that I've been able to do it for as long as I have and we'll see. He is starting to push me away a little bit, um, <laughs> breaking my heart, but it is what it is and I'm just listening to what he needs and I'm also putting my needs first as well because, yeah, for me to be the best mama I can be and the best person and the best person at work is, is to do that, is to put my needs first. So... Um, that's a bit of an update with his breastfeeding journey <laughs> and mine. Um, and he's also, he's on the move. He's almost crawling. He's like, he's doing what I call a slug crawl where he's kind of pulling himself forward and he sometimes brings his knees up to his chest and pushes himself forward that way. But he, he's not quite like on his hands and knees. But then some people say that they go like straight from shuffling to to walking and, you know, not every baby kind of goes through that crawling phase. So we will see. We will see. Um, Anyway, some kick bump updates for you guys. So first of all, in case you're unaware... I, we have a kick bump Facebook group. So much like our Keep It Cleaner Facebook group, which you may or may not be aware of if you are a member of Kick, um, which is a beautiful community that you can join if you signed up to Kick. We have a kick bump Facebook group and it was very much like the Keep It Cleaner one. Obviously only, you know, we had mums or mamas to be in there and it, it's a lot more kind of like mum content, uh, directed at mum content. But what we've done with that Facebook group is actually opened it up so anyone is welcome any mama to be or new mama is absolutely welcome to join the kick bump facebook group you do not have to be a current subscriber of keep it cleaner Um, we just wanted to open it up as a virtual mothers group for you guys to connect with one another often people go on there and ask about certain products that they're thinking of buying or um, yeah just like little tips and tricks or things that they've found has helped them um, and really just also making friends and making other mum friends so it's made me feel really good having that space for you guys having a bit of a virtual mothers group I know I put um, I you know lean on my mothers group a lot uh, for support and I often go into the Keeper Cleaner, you know, the Kick Bump Facebook group for the same kind of support. So I've been really enjoying seeing you guys do the same and I'm excited to see that community grow. Um, kick Bump content. So if you weren't aware, the other week we launched some new content into the app. So it's prenatal Pilates and also stretching sequences. Now these prenatal Pilates, and it really goes for all the prenatal Pilates in the app, um, it can be done by anyone. If you're a new mama um, and you've got your clearance from your doctor, you can absolutely still go back and do the prenatal Pilates. I still love to do it from time to time, especially those little challenges in there. There's like little 10-minute challenges. They're so good to add on to the end of a workout. Um, And then also Ash has put in some new stretching sequences, which again, you do not need to be pregnant to enjoy these stretching sequences. I have been doing them and I think because I'm breastfeeding and I'm sitting at the office, like everything is forward. A lot of the chest opening ones I absolutely love. But anyway, just a um, recommendation to go and check them out um, or a reminder if you hadn't checked them out that we have new content in there. Now for today's chat. So I have the legends Rach and Nick from Tiny Hearts Education I'm sure those listening in I probably don't really need to do much of an intro they are very well known in what they do but Tiny Hearts Education is such a beautiful program and it's something that 
I I truly valued my time with them. We had Rach come and do a private session with my family and friends, some of the closest people in my lives who in mine and Josh's lives who we think that or thought back then when I was pregnant that, um, you know, they might be alone with Harvey at different stages or um, would just take something from this course in general. And everyone had so much fun. They learnt so much. It was really engaging. Um, And honestly, there is so much that I do now with Harvey as a parent and I go into it confidently. And I speak to this with with, um, both Nikki and Rach in this chat. You'll, You'll hear me say it, but... I'm so much more confident um, because I've done this course and I've learnt these different ways of helping him out or knowing what to look for. Anyway, I found it incredibly valuable. They do online courses, they do um, public group courses, they do private ones like what I did. They've even got like first aid kits. But what I would highly recommend is even just following them on social media. They put out such great, useful and educational content that's helping so many parents um, out in the world uh, when it comes to first aid. So I'm going to stop talking and leave the rest of the chat to them. And I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and get as much um, out of it as I did. Well, welcome to the Kick Bump Kick Pod, Rach and Nikki. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Really good. Thanks for having us. It's exciting. Very fortunate to have both of you here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get both of you. So she's my driver great. at the moment. My car's broken. <laughs> so, yes, she's my lifesaver. <laughs> and for those listening, just so they can, because obviously they can't see you. Rach, Nick, do you want to just introduce yourself so they can hear the difference in your voice, although you're very similar? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, people say that all the time. Um, Hi, I'm Nikki. (laughs) I am um, the co-founder of Tiny Hearts. I am so happy to be here to be chatting to you, Steph. Um, We absolutely love your podcast. Oh, (laughs) do with Laura. So, yeah, um, a little bit about me. I am a mama. I have a two-year-old, Wolf Carter, and a four-year-old. She's almost five, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, Nala Fox. Um, yeah, I own this incredible business with my sister. Um, I'm married, have been for eight years. He's a stay-at-home dad. Um, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> and hello, I am Rach. I am the other co-founder at Tiny Hearts. So I'm the older and not wiser sister. <laughs> um, I specialise in vocational education. So I am in the classroom a lot. I am also a mama of three beautiful boys. So I've got Malachi, who has just turned 12. Um, Huxi, who is seven. And then my beautiful newborn, Ziggy Boo. And you guys have like the coolest named kids, can I say that? <laughs> like, was, it's so good. Um, and yeah, Rach, uh, Rach taught my family with the Tiny Hearts education. It was, it was so, so amazing and can't thank you enough. It honestly, I think for a lot of my family, um, sparked a lot of confidence in them, I think, moving forward. And even some people who came had done first aid before, but were surprised by how much they still learnt. So it was just, it was so valuable. Um, and I suppose to understand what Tiny Hearts education is, do you guys want to give like a little bit of an overview of what it is? And then I would love to hear how that came about? Like, why did you start the business? Absolutely. So um, Tiny Hearts Education specialises in uh, baby and birth first aid. So um, I'm a paramedic. That's Mm -hmm. my background. I came out of school. I went to uni and thought, this is me. This is my career. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to help save lives. So I was really passionate about that health um, side of that um, job. I did that for eight years. Mm -hmm. And in that time, Rach and I were just constantly having conversations about 
the lack of knowledge in the community. We were constantly arriving on scene and I just felt so sorry for parents. They were so stressed and anxious about their little people and I didn't have kids at the time. Mm. So I went on this big kind of research mission, like why is there no knowledge? Like what are they getting told at hospital? Like how do they leave hospital with this little bundle Mm. and go home and confidently know how to recognise these signs and symptoms of something that's serious, something that's not serious. How do we actually give them this education? Rach had a little boy at that time and she was like, no, you're right. Like, you don't. You might leave with... Is your car seat installed properly? Yeah, and little pamphlet things. I know, <laughs> I know, and um, and safe sleeping, yeah. and then you go home, and it's it's all up to you. So we had these conversations for a really long time while I was a paramedic, and I was like, we need to do something about this. I was kind of sick of arriving on scene in a reactive sense. Yeah, I felt like. I wanted to help every single family and everyone in the community who was facing an emergency. But it takes us 10 to 15 minutes to arrive. And I think a lot of people don't realise that it's what you do in those 10 to 15 minutes that truly makes the difference. And I was seeing that time and time again. And in a reactive sense, being like, oh, next time if this is to happen, think about this Mm. or, or watch out for this. And yeah, Rachel and I were having these conversations and we were like, we need to do something. Like, no, it has to be us. Mm. It has to be us. We have to find a solution for this. These parents are incredible. They want the knowledge. But, you know, as a paramedic, I've got like 20 minutes on the way to hospital. Like, it's not long. We need to do something about this. And yeah, nine years ago, we said, right, let's do it. Let's start to teach baby first aid and empower um, parents. And nine years on, it's hundreds of thousands of parents that we've been able to, um, to empower and train and help them prevent things in the home as well um which yeah I guess we're so so proud of and every single day on Instagram we're you know being asked questions or Mm. being hearing stories about um you know how that knowledge and education has been used so um yeah that's how it all began my time as a paramedic and realizing something needed to change and really wanting to work in that um that proactive space and there's definitely a few jobs that I think that I went to that have always stuck with me and really um yeah really made me think these poor parents yeah we, we need to help them because there's so much outside of your incredible course there's so much great content that you guys do share you know real stories and everything like that over your social media accounts and it's like I've learned so much through following you guys <laughs> um let alone doing the course and I'm sure there's some stories that you would have where something could have been very easily avoided if only they had the knowledge. So do you have a few off the top of your head that you think is like maybe a common one or um, yeah, just one that, one of those ones that really stuck with you? One theme that comes up on our Instagram all the time is about setting healthy boundaries for your little ones. Um, Rach and I are super passionate about this. Actually, on the way, we were talking about how we're hearing so many stories at the moment come through and Rach, obviously, with a little bub. She's yeah. like, it makes me anxious sometimes because yeah, every single day it's like a million stories. <laughs> oh, my gosh, got to watch out for this, got to watch out for that. Yeah. Get away from my baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but, yeah, one, one story in particular that really was a big conversation starter for this business was we arrived on scene to this little bub she was only four weeks old and instantly we walk in the house and usually as a paramedic you'll walk in introduce yourself um, and you'll sit down and find out what's going on but instantly we're like we need to take this baby we need to get her into the ambulance she's really really unwell she's really sick and obviously in a one month old like it's it's quite 
critical. Like mm. they're so young, they're so precious. This little one had had a wet nappy for a long time. She wasn't feeding. Um, she was like a, a pale grey colour. She was breathing really hard, working really hard to breathe. And um, and yeah, she was really, really sick. So we, we took her immediately from, from the house. And I remember walking in and, and picking her up and taking her and, and saying to the parents, because we, we just didn't have long... Um, to explain to them, which is, you know, another part of the job that's really hard because yeah. it's like we, we need to actually save her life right now mm. and um, we, yeah, quickly get in the car, parents, and let's go. And I remember their faces just looking at me like, what do you mean you need to go now? Like what? They didn't realise. <sighs> they did not know that she was so unwell. And I thought, I get that because we're paramedics, we're trained. Yeah, and they've never done it before. Eye. They had no idea, whereas these red flags are something that we talk about Mm. all the time. And the other thing that comes up all the time on on our Instagram is setting those healthy boundaries and, you know, don't kiss my baby. They're Mm. like the the ones that we're constantly asked about. How do I tell that to my family and how do I I do that? And I always share this story with them because this little bub had RSV and they'd recently been to, which is the, I'm sorry, the virus or the common cold. Um, And, you know, to us as adults, it's nothing, but to a little one-month-old, it's deadly and um, she was really sick. We got her to hospital. She she did code, so she went into cardiac arrest and um, three times while we were there, and we were just absolutely heartbroken. Um, the incredible hospital staff were able to stabilise her, and, um, and, and she did get better. But I was just like to Rach, something needs to be done. And, yeah. and I had that conversation with the parents and said, these are these are big red flags and let's talk about this and dehydration and feeding. And they just, yeah, they just didn't feel like they had that support or education. Yeah. So that was definitely one job where we were like, right, let's talk about these red flags. They're hard to identify. We give information on, you know, looking at your baby when they're breathing well. Video them for 30 seconds. Yeah, and such a good tip. Yeah, like this is what normal looks like. So when they're sick, you'll know what abnormal looks like. You know that any fever in a, you know, under three months old is a medical emergency and you need to get your baby to hospital. These things, no one's talking about this except tiny hearts. Um, <laughs> which is, um, yeah, that's definitely one story that really, really stuck with me. So, um, and and the next one is, is a really um, awful story. I attended a um, sudden infant death um, case and they're the ones, you know, you get into the job being a paramedic because you want to help. Yeah. But you arrive on scene to jobs like that and you can't help. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's too late. And we have certain processes that we follow after um, a SIDS case and that is to transport the baby and the um, the mum or, or whoever is the primary carer to hospital in the ambulance. And you can imagine it's just the most awful experience mm. that is the kind of stuff you just never forget. And I remember her sitting there and holding her baby and she just kept saying, I, I didn't know how to do CPR, I didn't know what to do. And it, it always oh, I get emotional oh, of course yeah it. um it always just stuck with me because I'm like you're trying to reassure her that you know it's it's this is just the situation you did everything that yeah. you could um and again Rachel and I were having that conversation and even you know in that situation it probably wouldn't have made the difference yeah. but it would yeah. have made the difference to how she felt yeah and how she acted in that situation and how she walked away from that so um that was a big one even even if it isn't a good outcome, trying and doing everything possible and knowing that you've learned everything you can to keep your little ones safe, I think is um, is yeah why why we're here. 
And I think, you know, as a mum, when I had Malachi 12 years ago, you know, there were so many products on the market. And I remember a moment where I was looking at a breathing monitor mm. and, you know, I, I was reading the instructions and it says, uh, if it sounds the alarm, it means that your baby's not breathing. But then I had a look in the instruction manual and there's no process of what to do. So no instructions for CPR or, or nothing. So if people don't have that, yes, I've got the product to mm. alert me, but if you don't have the skill or the knowledge to act, um, you know, that, that can mean that you know, they're in that situation where they're left feeling not confident and, and not knowing what to do. Wow. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. There's stories that you hear about, but being with the parents, I can, I can only imagine how, you know, moving that is and it's a big part of what you do and why you do it. And I think, yeah, I mean, hats off to you guys. It's so amazing what you do. You, you do help thousands of parents every day. Um, and, yeah, just even the, the little tips that you share and honestly obviously so, save children's lives. So it's just amazing. Um, I think one that I see that comes up a lot and it's something that I've even messaged you guys about because obviously it's my first time being a mum, but um, allergies with food. Um, so I think I've got a lot of friends, even, even Laura, for example, she's anaphylactic to nuts. And I think she, she also has, um, struggles with anxiety as well. So I think she's said before, you know, going when, when it's her time and she has a child and it's coming to introducing the foods like that, she's really anxious about that time. And I have never had any experience with allergies over, you know, cat hair <laughs> you know <laughs> making me sniffy and itchy other than yeah. that I've, I've never experienced it so but even so I was still anxious and, and nervous about introducing these foods things like peanut butter and you know all the common ones so I suppose what are your tips for what we should look out for when we are doing it and what are the you know the mild symptoms versus the ones where you should act quite seriously and quickly it's funny, um, I think we've really seen the attention on allergies really build up. When we first started um, Tiny Hearts, mm. we would have the whole peanut parties. I don't mm-hmm. know if you heard about them in the hospitals. Like People would literally go and test peanut butter with their kids in the hospitals. Mm. Um, so I guess that while we're raising awareness about you know what to look for, it also does add a, a little bit of that anxiety. Yeah. And I think through through social media where you're hearing these, these first-hand stories, Rachel's actually telling me on the way today that Australia is the capital for like the highest allergies in the world. Wow. What was the stat? So we have 4 million people that suffer allergies in Australia. So it's one in five Australians suffer asthma. And I mean, sorry, um, allergies. But the thing is that can be mild allergies like hay fever, like to cats and, you Mm. know, changing weather, but then anaphylaxis. And we see that one in 100 school-aged children are diagnosed with anaphylaxis. So it is one of our fastest growing illnesses here in Australia. Crazy. Um, and of course, Laura being anaphylactic. I remember yeah. when I when I taught you, yeah. and Laura was there, and she was telling me about the, where she carries her EpiPen. Yeah, and, you know, we made sure everyone knew how to use it, <laughs> yeah. all the friends and the family members. And um, of course, that's going to increase, you know, um, her anxiety because there is a chance that yeah. her little one, yeah. uh, when that time comes, will have the same allergy. About yeah. a thirty yeah. percent chance. Yeah. And I heard you talking on one of your recent podcasts about, you know, introducing solids and um, peanut butter. And I was yeah. like, oh, my goodness, I really – I know you love peanut I butter. I love so peanut I was butter. Like, Please, Harvey, don't be I allergic. Know. That would be cruel. How – obviously, everything's all good. Yeah, so far, I need to kind of go back because um, I've done it – I've introduced it a few times and I did it a couple of days in a row. Yeah. And he's only ever had, like, a little bit of a faint red rash that mm. – 
faded pretty quickly. And that's it. Everything else was fine. So I'm just going to do it again and see what happens. But I suppose, so for example, with someone like me who has tried it and you got a little bit of a red rash and I'm going to go back. If that happens again, I suppose, what's the next steps or is that a big deal? Definitely have to go to um, either your GP or yep. your paediatrician because yep. they will probably suggest to do some allergy testing yep. just to figure out what that path is and then yep. they'll just guide you on that. I guess the most important thing when you're introducing solids is understanding that, um, you know, food is the biggest cause of these allergies. And like Rach said, it could be mild, yep. it could be moderate or severe. And in our course, that's what we focus on, making sure you understand the difference so then you can, you know, call an ambulance when you need to yeah. but then go to a GP when you, um, you know, when it's not necessary yep. as well, which you did perfectly by the way you absolutely <laughs> nailed that um but yeah rach is probably best place to talk us through those those key um signs and symptoms for that anaphylactic reaction which yeah. is that really severe life-threatening call an ambulance and and head on the way and the thing with anaphylaxis is that it can happen really quickly. So it can happen within a couple of minutes of that exposure to the trigger up until about two hours. Yeah. So when you are introducing foods, you want to do it you know, at a good time of the day where Bub's not going to have a sleep, yeah. um, making sure that you're not mixing those um, triggered foods or those high-risk foods with anything else um, so that you know I've definitely you know, yeah. just tried egg. I haven't tried egg and peanuts together. Um, <laughs> Strange combination. So can, yeah, <laughs> weird, but does happen. Yeah. Um, and and, you know, looking for those signs and symptoms, you know, over that, that period of two hours. And those signs and symptoms can be a hive-like rash, difficulty breathing, swelling to the lips, the eyes, the face, the airway, and even the tongue. Um, and then you can get those abdo stuff as well. So vomiting, diarrhea, loss of consciousness. Um when we think about anaphylaxis compared to a mild reaction, you know, mild reaction might be one system. So, you know, your sinuses, you're getting sneezy and runny nose, whereas anaphylaxis is a systematic shutdown of your yeah. entire body. It's really reacting to that trigger and going, no, I do not like that. I do not want that in my body, which then, of course, becomes a, an emergency. And if you don't have an EpiPen uh, with you, if your child's not diagnosed with anaphylaxis, then, of course, you're not going to have an EpiPen. Yeah. Um, it's knowing that you need to call triple zero yeah. and keep your child as still as possible until the ambulance arises uh, arrives sorry um the thing with anaphylaxis is that sometimes it's not the first exposure or the second exposure it can happen on that third yep. fourth fifth or you can eat peanuts your whole life and all of a sudden have a great satay it's and crazy. you have an anaphylactic reaction so <sighs> yeah it's um it's insane but yeah with the statistics um we know that childcare centers and you know schools are all really highly trained um with anaphylaxis management and it's just raising more awareness in our homes and our communities. What's that the um, tip that you have with things like rashes and everything? I know this is off kind of the food topic, but it's helped me in the past too, especially when I have come to you guys and been like, ah, Harvey's got rashes everywhere. Um, it was like that time I we had gave him a bath and when we stripped him down, he had, yeah, these little rashes everywhere after the bath. And I was like, I didn't use any new products in the bath. What's going on? Is it something he ate today? And I sent you guys photos and, you know, I did the press check and everything so good. to see if it disappeared, um, and which I'll get you to chat through in a second. And yeah, it turns out that I worked out there was a few times that I'd seen this rash appear and it was any time he'd touched Ari mm. or was in contact with Ari and right before his bath I put him up on his like dinosaur 
toy teddy thing, which we'd put Ari on about a month before. Um, but obviously a lot of hair had been stuck to it and everything. And so it was all down his body, which is why I was like freaking out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. That's a track back to remember <laughs> that a month ago. Like, that's yeah. a we took a photo of it. <laughs> that's why. Because yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> the only other time I've seen this rash is if he's, yeah, if, if Ari might have like licked his cheek or he, yeah, had touched him or something. And it was just in those areas. So I didn't understand why it was all over his body. And then I remembered mm. right, right before the bath, he was just in his nappy and he was on that toy um so (laughs) what's the what is that rash test so i don't know if you saw this uh i did (laughs) so um this is a really really great like tip that we give to all parents we always share it um and basically kids get so many rashes yeah you know this like from nappy rash from post viral rash there's a million different rashes so basically say to know whether it's serious or not all you need to do is press Press that rash. Mm. If it goes white and turns back to the rash colour, then it's fine. Like, go to see a GP. It's not an emergency. Um, Obviously, if they have any other concerning signs and symptoms, then you'll obviously follow that up. But um, we're talking about that that rash alone. Um, The story last night was a mum and she had noticed just a tiny little thing on her um, son's leg. And he's only one month. And it looked like a purple-type bruise. And it was really small. She said it was about the size of a pinky um, nail. And it was the same time putting him in the bath, and they had followed us and done our course. And they were like, Oh, let's just quickly check this. This is new. And she pressed on it, and it didn't change color. So then the next step they did was they grabbed a glass and they rolled it over. Rolling the glass over, usually on a rash, will make it turn white as well, and it's really clear to see. And it didn't change color. So they scooped him up and they took him to hospital. She's like, I still felt a bit like, I don't know if this is over the top. Like, he's fine. (laughs) But he has this rash, and I've learned from the girls that this needs attention Mm. and yeah he had meningococcal and um yeah it's it's just one of those tips and tricks that can give you so much peace of mind like 99% of the time you're going to do that rash check it's going to turn white and you're going to go oh my god yeah thank god thank goodness um but in that really small percentage of time um where it's something more serious you're going to be able to take that quick action so the the rash check is um yeah something we talk about all the time and you know lifesaver literally being a parent you know for 12 years i'd hate to think how many times i've used that i'm constantly pressing rashes on my kids and I'm like oh is this a heat rash because we're in North Queensland is this a you know rash because it's Tuesday um you know kids really have rashes all the time and it's just literally a couple of seconds and you know if you're dealing with an emergency or if it's maybe a doctor's trip yeah yeah or even if it's just a wet funnel that like five minutes later (laughs) it's gone (laughs) um back to foods before we move on from foods um the anxiety around introducing solids uh I've seen a lot of people on social media even talking about this um and I can understand it the funny thing is I have no anxiety over introducing solids and I can 100% 100% say confidently that it was because of your course um, because it's like I know that babies are going to have a gag reflex. I know the difference between that and choking and then what to do if it does happen. But what I also love is how often you guys share, you know, really common choking hazards that people just don't know about unless they hear about it. Um, so what are those really common ones when it comes to introducing solid foods maybe to start with and then even outside of food, like the, just the really common little items that you might find around the house that you find yeah. people 
don't really think about it until it happens and then yeah. like, oh, that makes sense. And it's a hard one. Like we find that line of, you know, oversharing. Like, yeah. Because realistically, when you think about it... They can choke on They can choke on anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, we often, um, you know, say, think about a toilet roll, like an yeah. empty toilet roll holder. Anything that fits inside that can can be a choking hazard. So yeah. that's a really great way to approach that prevention yeah. in your home. When your little one's starting to crawl around, it's great to get down and have a look around to make sure, like, what can they reach? Food's the number one thing that kids choke on which makes complete sense um so making sure that you're modifying their food you're always supervising them are really really important but things like um coins pen lids anything that they're getting their hands on yeah that goes a big one (laughs) yeah especially if you've got a seven-year-old who's addicted to lego (laughs) and a newborn (laughs) it's literally i'm separating household items (laughs) even things that are really common like balloons like you know at parties and things like that um yeah just so many things that they can choke on um the common foods that we're seeing and hearing a lot of through yeah. you know our community are things like marshmallows yeah um, you know served with a baby chino i see it you know every because i remember learning that in your course and every time <laughs> i'm at a cafe and i feel so weird but i want to say when i see the uh barista like pass over a marshmallow to this like two-year-old I'm like, do I say something? No. Oh my gosh, me too, me too. I'm like, just it's such it. a line, is it? You know how many people say, I saw this today and I didn't know if I should say something. I'm like, oh, it's, it's so hard. It is, it <laughs> it's is. It's so hard. It's a yeah, especially this day and age, you know, you don't want to judge anyone or you don't, you know. Yeah, I don't want to make anyone feel exactly, judged. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. Um, marshmallows are a big one. Lollies, you know, think about what's in your handbag. You know, if we went through, you know, one of our handbags now, we'd have uh, toys, we would have, you know, I've got some Mentos in there or some chewing gum, even some Panadol tablets, you know things like that that you know your children get access to you want to make sure that you know are out of the way putting your hand back up on on a, on a table popcorn's another one that we're seeing a yeah. lot at the moment yeah it breaks my heart i'm gonna yeah. have to be so careful i have popcorn like five nights a week that's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, when when I learned that, I was like, oh god, what am I going to do? <laughs> you just have to share five. it. <laughs> I know it is. Um, it's I'll just so have crazy. to eat it only after bedtime. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the number one reason that people actually do our course mm. um, is because of choking. They're they're worried about choking, and I think it's a lot more common than people realise. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that it's not making it to hospital or not making it to the news is because if you do know how to prevent it, number one, yeah. and then how to recognise it and treat it, yeah. ninety. 9.9% of the time it's fine like yeah. it's treatable yeah. it's those situations where people don't know what to do yeah. that they're freaking out like we hear some wild things about yeah. holding kids upside down by the legs putting their arms up oh, um, gosh. yeah which you don't do Piers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not, um, not they're yes, not your crazy tips. things and it, it is one of those situations if we're arriving at a choking child 15 minutes later that that child yeah. needs CPR yeah. that's, that's what's happening that's yeah. just the reality of the situation so it's one of those times I was like you cannot rely on paramedics arriving in time it's what you do and how quickly you act is going to make the the absolute difference and you'll probably be calling ambulance back and saying oh I saved their life it's okay you can cancel the ambulance like that's usually what happens yeah yeah oh and yeah my confidence in that area it's it's all because you guys and even the other day um we had our first experience with choking he was eating um cucumber and he just grabbed a bit that was a little bit too big and then he keeps food in his mouth and then he just keeps putting more. Yeah, it's his, his worst habit. When I see his cheeks get a little bit full, I was like, you haven't finished what's in there, have you? And I'm just like, scoop it out. But um, no, he one piece of cucumber shot to the back of his mouth and he was, yeah, choking, not mm-hmm. gagging. And I went to, you know, do everything you guys taught mm-hmm. me. Um, but really he only needed a few pats on the back and it was 
in his mouth and out of his mouth. It was fine. Um, but I didn't feel anxious at that point. Like, I sat him back in his chair and I was like, We're so proud chill. of you. I'm yeah, good. Well, <laughs> this like, is why gosh. we exist, literally. Um, and, you know, the day that I, I came and trained you, I was um, I was pregnant mm. uh, with Ziggy and I was so sick. I literally vomited pretty much <laughs> the whole time, uh, you know, driving to your house. And, you know, to hear, to hear that is just like... It was know, worth it. It was all <laughs> worth it. You know, the fact that, you know, you feel confident yeah. and Harvey's safe and... And your family feel great, mm. you know, Rachel to be able to. that course. She literally was like, oh, my God, that was the best course. They were oh. so fun. They were honestly. Actually, we've got our, our – someone just joined our team in the last month and she found out about our business because you posted about oh, doing the course. Nice. I was oh. like, I'll have to thank her for, <laughs> yeah, for that. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, no, everyone loved it. Um, dad had a lot of fun. I oh, don't know your if you dad is my so dad. lovely. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> the questions. And oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was amazing. And so your courses, I just want to touch on it again. So what we did was a private course in my home with my family. But the really great thing is, is you know, it's available outside of that. So do you want to maybe speak through how people can? Yeah, absolutely. So we operate in all states except except for Northern Territory at the moment. But um, we've got virtual courses, we've got instant online courses, and then we've got like public face-to-face courses that are held in every capital city where you can come along with a group of 40 other amazing parents to, um, yeah, learn about how to prevent, what to look for, Mm. all those red flags I was talking about before and really young bubs. Um, And obviously we share so much on our Instagram as well. Really valuable content. Heaps of real stories just to keep everyone feeling confident and engaged even after the course and I think you know the biggest feedback we get in for people coming to our courses around that choking around burns around allergies all the things that we're you know speaking about today those red flags um and you know we can share so much on our instagram and those tips and tricks but coming to a course and learning how to identify how to treat how to um, do everything you possibly can before the arrival of an ambulance or on the way to hospital is um, just so integral to to how yeah. that situation plays out and that outcome as well Absolutely. Um, the other thing that came up a lot from the community, so a lot of these questions came from them, um, you guys have incredible first aid kits available oh, as well, we which is awesome. <laughs> but what about when you're out and about? What are the kind of basic first aid kits that you would say it's probably best to try and have on you mm. at all times? Well, yeah, like you said, we've got our first aid kit. We yeah. like literally sat yeah. down with our entire team. So we've got like nurses, paramedics. Um, we've got a whole board that sits yeah. and talks about things like this as well. And yeah, you pretty much just need a whole kit ready for anything. Yeah. Like the most important things that are in our kit are like the resuscitation masks yeah. that you'd use during CPR. We've also got like the big snake bite bandage, um, things like that. You need to act really, really quickly and you don't have time to, you know, oh what am I going to use for this or what I want to do um even things like the shears like you need some shears like if you need to perform CPI you need to cut clothes off you need to um be applying a defib they're super important other things like for minor things even cuts and um, Mm. cleaning um any wounds so they don't become infected um coverings for burns you need um cool packs instant ice packs um so for me you know i'm constantly at a skate park or you know going on a walk or things 
like that with the boys. And, you know, we've got bikes and scooters and, you know, the boys, they just fall off everything and hurt themselves. Yeah. So in my backpack, I've always got um, a roller bandage, a triangle bandage. I've got an, an instant ice pack um, so that when they do fall and hurt themselves, I've got something there to help them. Uh, we do have a travel kit coming. So oh, um, this is really like the on the go kit literally yeah, that's for good. this reason. Yeah, and we're going to have some things in there that you can actually take out and put in your nappy bag. And it's yeah. like, put this in your nappy bag and then this one goes in the car yeah. or, you know, for camping. Great um, because yeah, we're getting a lot of questions like I was on a boat and this happened. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. yeah I'm not gonna take yeah. the tin everywhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a bit too big. Um yeah, but it's to so carry good for home, around. of course. It, yes. It is, yeah. and it's yeah. such an iconic product that we're seeing you know more and more and you know I remember uh, we've got our sickness tracker as well mm. and to track medication I remember this full circle moment you know I, I volunteer on the ambulance service and I was responding to a mom with a sick baby and um, I said oh what medication have you given in in the last 24 hours and she said oh I've got this tiny heart um sickness tracker on my fridge and I was like no way <laughs> I took a selfie with her because I was so impressed that you know our products were out there and they were getting used for the right reasons yeah. so you know if you can have good products and, and good things to, to support you um, in those times where you're probably not getting a lot of sleep or you know something goes wrong I think that's um so important yeah so so important oh absolutely um okay this was a big one from the community as well baby gets burnt maybe they've grabbed hot tea that was on the edge of the you know it, there's so many different ways babies can get burnt unfortunately and what is the next steps from that point of realising that they're This is something so, so common. And I was talking to Rach about this on the way that it's one, again, it's one of those things that when you act and you do the right thing, mm. it can completely change the outcome of yep. that burn. Yep. Um, because their skin is so sensitive, it can burn really quickly. And from like a little burn from tea, like from a, a hot tea or a, yeah. a hot bowl of noodles we heard the other day, mm. um, it, it can cause literally like 12 months of treatment. Yeah. Um, you know, in and out of the Royal Children's Hospital, we had a recently um she hasn't done our course yet she has now at this time though but she had just heard us talking about burns and she knew exactly what to do when her little one pulled a hot tea down on her um on his hand and she went off to frankston hospital and they said the fact that you treated this so quickly has just led to a better outcome for him and you know she shared all like the recovery photos and they said the reason he's not going to royal children's right now in you know an ambulance really quickly is because you acted but um yeah it's super common it happens in the home like that is the biggest area and then mistreatment happens in about 70 percent of cases so what's mistreatment like mistreatment is like i don't know if you've ever heard of those old wives tales of like apply toothpaste apply flour apply um aloe vera like this this applies for sunburn as well um apply this cream even this cream sold you can literally walk into the pharmacy and you can buy creams that are like you know for for burns um but the issue is is it traps that heat in Mm. in the burn and it and it just continues to burn and it continues to worsen that injury so um yeah none of that kind of stuff we're (laughs) constantly talking about that we're constantly debunking no no nothing else goes on there I think a lot of people think ice as well they'll put ice on top because it's cold but ice can actually do a lot more damage um you know some things that I hear in the courses and you know that are coming from those old wives tale are things like um oils and butter and I think that was a really old wives tale that you put butter on a bird I'm like what are we doing here we're not cooking anything trying to make them into popcorn yeah (laughs) so what you do do is you 
um, need to immediately cool that area. So you're using 20 minutes of cool running water. So it's just that water's just literally pushing that heat out of that burn and then you are um, covering that. And depending on where the burn is located yeah. and the severity as well, we say anything over three centimetres or anything on the face, the feet, the hands or the private areas mm-hmm. needs urgent um, yeah. medical review because like I said you know it can be look really minor to us but it can cause a huge amount of pain um, for little ones yeah. Um, but yeah 20 minutes of cool running water and just making sure you're warming the child yeah. I've been to so many jobs where parents have actually done the right thing but they've done the right thing by chucking a two-year-old in the shower and cooling him right down but he might have a burnt leg yeah so he's now hypothermic yeah he's cold yeah and he's got a burn so there are now two serious things that we're dealing with so in our kit as well we have the emergency blanket and people always ask us why is the emergency blanket in here isn't this just for like the snow you know like the silvery blanket we're like for burns Mm. so you can wrap that around your child and you can cool that burn down for that 20 minutes while you're figuring out what that next um process is um and certainly any type of you know huge amount of pain calling triple zero that's what the paramedics are for they can assess they can guide they can help and they can give pain relief because it is really really painful and what if it has gone you know what if the baby's clothed you know in its nappy and it's kind of gone all over um they're keeping them in their clothes and their nappy or are they stripping them down before the shower? The nappy's a big one. We actually talk about this all the time. You need to take the nappy off. The only time that we say not to remove the clothes is if they're actually like stuck, if they're yep. burnt. Yep. Um, you're going to, you know, cause more injury by doing that. But because the nappies actually hold the liquid as well, it remains really hot. Yeah. And that's a really sensitive area. You yeah, want to remove that. Like first thing if that burn happens, yeah, um, yeah you need to get that nappy off. Hundred percent, you know, and I, I remember talking to a mum who her son had burnt themselves, and she was recounting the story to me, and she said, "I just remember this moment where I was on the phone to triple zero, and the call taker said how bad it is, and I pulled his jammy top forward, and I could see that it was stuck, and I said, yeah, it's bad.' Mm. And you know, hearing those words from a mum who is doing all the right things, and you know, that treatment plan was was eighteen months for that little boy, even though she did everything completely right. The Ambos really gave her a round of applause saying amazing job the hospital as well um, but she knew straight away with those clothes being stuck that she needed to leave it yeah. and that it was a really bad burn yeah and I think that comes into the prevention type of things like making sure anyone holding your baby like those boundaries like they're not having coffees they're not having teas because it's just one drop one drop on that newborn fresh gorgeous skin um, can cause really really long you know, effects and, and deadly effects as well. So, um, yeah, we, we want to make sure no one's having coffee, making sure that even the kitchen, even setting boundaries like that, like no no, no coming in the kitchen when mm. we're cooking. Um, and a big one is the bathroom as well. That's yeah. the next next big one to be aware of that tap and making sure you're always pushing it to the cold side just in case they turned it on, making sure colds run through the tap so it's not yeah. hot because, yeah, it, it doesn't take long. Rach was um, saying about older houses are often the um, the hot water set at a higher temperature mm. so it's usually set at like this above 60 and that takes five seconds to cause a really serious burn if it's just readjusted to 50 degrees in your home it takes five minutes to cause the same severity of burn so it's a huge huge difference so anyone in an older home we're encouraging like go and check and make sure you reduce that because it happens so so fast 
And none of us, yeah. And, you know, we're in the middle of summer at the moment. Things like our hoses, um, you know, and our play equipment, you know, the amount of people that I've been talking to that are, are, you know, taking their kids to the park and letting them go down that metal slide Mm. and, you know, play on those metal equipment, Mm. we sometimes don't think, but, you know, they're so hot. It's so true. I was reading something the other day about the temperature of the sand, Mm. like sand, grass, artificial stuff, and we're we're literally putting a, um, a post together about it at the moment because it's so hot on their skin and it causes burns and people aren't thinking about this when they're going to the beach and they're like yeah first time in the water and they run off down the beach and then they burnt on their feet which is you know requires immediate action so yeah it's um there's a lot to it burns and a lot comes from that prevention strategies and then that immediate treatment if it does happen yeah now this story was one that you guys shared it just popped into my mind because you said bathrooms and this the the bath the plug plug. can you please share this too because i was like okay I'm, I know this now and this is going to this is gonna change. This one freaked me out. Oh. This story freaked me out when it I came in. Like, I was like, oh, my God, Chris, we need to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> like, how do we – we need to change the plug. Um, so it was a – oh, you're really calling on my memory now. It was a, um, a mum who – Had two all, babies. Well, yeah, one she had two children toddler, and yeah. all yeah. of a sudden her oldest um, came in yeah. and said that her young, her youngest little one was in the bath. Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? It's like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. What's going on? Yeah. So he had got himself up. He had um, – the plug was in and he'd flicked on the um the water to you know have a bath at 3am as kids decide to do (laughs) and um yeah it was really really full and it was just lucky that he had um you know alerted his mum to it like just it it just one little thing could have gone wrong in that situation and it could have been a completely different story and would have been a completely different story um and she was basically saying hide your plug don't let them have access because it doesn't matter if it's at night time they love bath time we make it so fun it's where they get one-on-one time with their parents because we're always watching them um it's so fun so splashing yes they want to go back to that and they love water we know what kids are like with water yeah. um so yeah she, her she reached out to us and said please share this this is not something that I would have thought about about hiding the plug just in case they want to hop in the bath and do it themselves and he I believe he was under two yeah so incredible like yeah. incredible I think he was about 18 months and and he was able to do that so yeah it, just so so lucky that um she had yeah realized my god yes <laughs> yes anyway but I just I think I just wanted you to share it because that is the kind of incredible content that you do share you know real stories um and I just think that that's so amazing so I'm going to obviously put all your information in our show notes for everyone that's listening to follow if they're not already <laughs> following you guys um and then also all the information on your course because yeah I can say very happily that it's made me a very confident person when it comes to looking after Harvey and yeah I just I suppose I wanted to take the time to thank you guys so much for everything that you do for the community and um yeah making it a little bit more of a aware and safer place for babies. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah, it's um, definitely our passion. We love what we do. And, yeah, thanks for recognising that and being a part of it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's chat. I'll pop Nikki and Rachel's Tiny Hearts education info in our show notes. I will be back in a fortnight with another kick bump episode or I'll be in your ears this Wednesday with Lawsy for another kick pod episode. You can find me on Instagram at Steph Claire Smith and of course at Keep It Cleaner. And if you would like to join Keep It Cleaner, you can head to our website, www.keepitcleaner.com. You can enjoy our kick bump program 
Or you can find us on Instagram. I've already said where you find us on Instagram. What I was going to say is you can find our Facebook group. Remember, as I said, our Kick Bump private Facebook group uh, is now open to any mamas or mamas to be who wish to join that virtual, virtual mothers group. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Love to chat to you again. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.